God instructs Israel about eating. There's right ways to eat, wrong ways to eat. It's under the law. It's very interesting. We're going to study that. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Ember. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are studying the Bible from Genesis chapter 1 to Revelation chapter 22. And we are in the book of Leviticus. We're going to look at number, or excuse me, Leviticus 11 coming up. I was thinking about numbers. Anyway, it's going to be a very good one. Corey? I'm actually going to be taking a look at morning rituals today, specifically ancient morning rituals practiced in Israel. Ryan? Today I'm talking to my friend Matt Bondi, who's the COO for CMI Canada and co-host of the weekly television program called Creation Magazine Live. Matt's a great guy, excellent guy. Janice? All to the glory of God. All right, so take out your Bible guide and turn to what we're going to study today called Clean and Unclean from Leviticus chapter 11. Let's hear God's word. Leviticus 11, 1 through 11. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, these are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud, or those that have cloven hooves, the camel, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves, is unclean to you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch." They are unclean to you. These you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. But all in the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins and scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Leviticus 11, verses 1 through 11. Well, it's really interesting as we study these books. The five books of Moses are fascinating. Leviticus is one of those that uh, is really interesting. And we study about clean and unclean, or unclean and clean. You see, there were certain foods that God deemed clean and unclean. Foods that the Israelites could eat or not eat. Now God, through Jesus Christ, changed this law in the advent of the new covenant, because Christ fulfilled the law. We are no longer bound to the dietary restrictions of the old covenant. Acts chapter 10, verses 9 to 16. But it is helpful to understand why the Israelites were so dedicated to this. 
The Israelites were commanded to eat very specific things for many reasons, one of which was to put greater emphasis on the sacred prophetic symbols like the Passover lamb. Another was to make Israel holy and distinct from other nations through self-control. And the third was possibly to preserve the overall health of a nation from whom Christ, Jesus Christ, would be born and come. Some creatures like scavenger birds carried disease, and ancient pagan cultures would typically eat anything. Food for thought, isn't it? Very, very interesting. And as we focus on this, take your Bible guide, and this is the Bible guide, by the way, the January one. We have just a few days left. Actually, we have one more day left, and uh, you probably have your February one already by now. If you don't, call us or write to us or go to Bible Discovery TV, click on the page, or go to Bible Discovery TV Guide or Bible Discovery Guide and click there, and you can get one just as we printed it. Very, very important. Thank you so much for your donations by mail or by phone or by online. They keep us alive. Thank you so much for that. Lord Jesus, we have to pray. Help us to understand what you've said. Help us to hear you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Whenever we read the Bible, we always pray so that God can reset anything that we need to reset. And when we pray, we think about Jesus Christ. We think about the Lord God Almighty. All right, now, look at Luke chapter 11. Look at this. This is our uh, Leviticus chapter 11. It says something interesting. Now the Lord spoke to Moses. It always starts with things like that because the Lord's talking. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, speak to the children of Israel saying, these things are the animals which you may eat among all of the animals that are on the earth. Among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing cud that you may eat. Nevertheless, you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or that have cloven hooves, the camel, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves. It is unclean to you. The rock hyrax, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves. It is unclean to you. The hare, because it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves. It is unclean to you. And the swine, through it, or though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, yet it does not chew the cud. It is unclean to you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. Now, this is absolutely fascinating. God instructs the children of Israel what was permitted to eat and what was not. Life in Christ changes the way we exist in the world. Okay, the, the point here that God is trying to explain is life in Christ changes the way we live. Now, if you don't believe me, I can take you through hundreds, maybe even thousands of testimonies and people begin to experience frustration. They can't have their friends who always want to get drunk or do drugs or whatever. They, they have to change things because Jesus Christ changes us. And that's the biggest thing we need to remember as Christians it means we change. Now, that's important and we need to do that. We need to think that through. All right. We go on to the next scripture, which says this. These you may eat of all that are in the water, 
Whatever in the water has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, that you may eat. Second point. Instructions were given regarding seafood. Now, with Christ, these are things we no longer do when we serve the Lord. Why? Because Jesus Christ has fulfilled the law of God. He has satisfied the requirements of the Lord. Jesus Christ is the Holy One. And He makes us holy. So we come to Him and we follow Him because He is leading the holy path to God. That's why the Bible says in John 14, No man comes to the Father except through me. Very important to remember that. So we need to keep that in mind. Keep that at the center of our thinking. So many people don't remember that Jesus Christ is exclusive. And I have to say this. We need to remember that God, we don't worship ideas of God or what we worship a man, God, Jesus Christ. He is alive and he thinks his Holy Spirit is alive inside of us. That's who we worship. It's not what we worship, but it's who. Christians, it's not what you worship. It's who you worship. Very very, we learned that in God's law of all places. All right. Now let's go back to the scripture because it gets interesting in verses 10. It says, okay, but in all the seas or in the rivers that do not have fins or scales, all that move in the water or any living thing which is in the water, they are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you and you shall not eat their flesh but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination. Did you hear that? So it's important to remember this. The children of Israel were told to eat differently than other nations. Living our lives to follow Christ is different from those who do not. Living our lives to follow Jesus Christ is different than those who do not know Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. We, we, you know, people say, well, that's not cool. Well, no, no it's because we, we don't come to Christ to be cool. We don't come to Christ to be great or rad or whatever. We come to Christ because of our sin. We are desperate. We need Jesus Christ. And beloved, again, here we go. I need to tell you the truth. If you don't know Jesus Christ, why not? This is the time to know him. Come to Jesus Christ today. You don't serve an idea or a thing or you serve a person who's alive and well and with God right now. His Holy Spirit is with us. So, beloved, pray with me if you want to know Christ. Come to him and say, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sin. Help me today to follow you. And I believe that you died on the cross and you rose again miraculously in the flesh on the third day. I believe, Father, in Jesus' name that you can be the Lord of my life and forgive me. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which comes on me. I need it right now. So thank you for that, Lord. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you came to Christ, begin to read the Bible. Begin to understand. Now, you don't have to call an 800 number or anything. Just begin to read the Bible. God will teach you.
All right, so all month long, I've been showing you clips from my newest resource called A World by Design 3. And the World by Design project is an ongoing series of interviews with some of the top scientists and researchers in the world. And today, I'm really excited to introduce you to my friend, Matt Bondi, who is the COO for Creation Ministries International Canada, as well as co-host of the weekly TV program called Creation Magazine Live. And in this clip, I ask Matt to respond to two questions that we often hear as Christians. Check it out. Now, you mentioned you had some challenges to your faith, mm -hmm. you know, when you went to school and everything. And, and that's related to this question. You know, a lot of people think that the Bible is, is a book of fiction, mm -hmm. you know. So how would you respond to somebody like that? What makes you believe otherwise? Yeah, so um, I guess for me, it's really helpful to learn that the Bible is a historical record. And even when we look at what's typically uh, the areas that people would challenge the Bibles in those areas of Genesis, you know, your average Joe is not necessarily saying, oh, let's talk about sanctification or something like that. They're saying, come on, did, did, did Noah really fit all these animals on the ark? And I, I think for me, when you start to see that, uh, that the historic record in the Bible matches up so nicely with the scientific evidence, it's really encouraging to your faith. So that's been a big part for me. And uh, I, I think it, it first hit me um, was when um, I had some challenges in life and I was just rethinking some things and I wanted to slow down on my career a little bit and just, you know, spend a little more time with the Lord. So I thought I would go uh, as a chaperone to my kids' school trips and, and uh, they're going to see a creation museum and so when I went there and I realized how important this issue was related to salvation like to me it was just uh, it was just about you know history and and you could believe different things about the Bible and there's different interpretations but when I realized that how many people are, are uh, fall away because they just simply start stop to believe that the Bible's true anymore and I realized this is actually a salvation issue not in the sense that you have to believe this particular view of creation to be saved but in the sense that you need to believe the Bible and, and, and not stop believing in the Bible and stop believing in Jesus. Mm -hmm. So at that level, it's a, sign, it's a salvation issue. Because it's a kind of a slippery slope, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. Yes. Once you start entertaining one thing, then it's the next thing, and then it's just this digression right. into exactly. eventual, sometimes, unfortunately, even atheism. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, no, totally agree. Uh, well, something else skeptics uh, often like to ask is, if, if God created the universe, well, then who created God? So how do we respond to some to a question like that? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, well, if God created the universe, then we would think of the universe as time, space, and matter, right? Um, so as soon as you say, well, then who created God? We're like, well, what happened before that? Well, now you're talking about time. Mm. But of course, to, for God to create the universe, he's outside of time. He's creating time. So we have this feeling that because everything we know has a beginning, God has to have a beginning. But who says he has to have a beginning, right? Mm. Um, in fact, even secularists believed at one time that the, the universe didn't have a beginning, it was eternal. And now they've understood, they've kind of come in line with the biblical account that says there was a beginning. So science has caught up a bit there. So as you can see, Matt is a really friendly guy and he's going to be back tomorrow to talk to us a little bit about creation and why it's so important for the Christian. So make sure to join us. Yeah, Matt Bondi is excellent. What a guy. Mm -hmm. He really is. Yeah, he's a really, great yeah. guy. Uh, anyway, so that's something. Corey? 
All right. Well, I, I'm taking my cues from Leviticus chapter 10 today, and this is a very brutal chapter、uh, because we see the deaths of Nadab and Abihu when they did not follow through on their priestly roles. They offered unauthorized fire, and God struck them dead. And then, you know, for which seems very brutal to us today,、uh, God. Has Aaron not able to mourn for them because he has just been anointed as the high priest of Israel, and out of respect for the holiness of that role, he's not able to mourn. Although the rest of Israel is called to mourn for Nadab and Abihu, so they still are mourned. Let's take a look at what those mourning rituals would have been. The Bible is very consistent in its portrayal of ancient Israelite mourning: people grieving the loss of loved ones, tragedy in the community, offenses against God, devastating warfare, and the like, are described as putting on sackcloth, tearing their clothes, taking off shoes, sitting on dust and ashes, putting dust and ashes on their heads, cutting or shaving their hair, and fasting. These actions could be done all together, individually, or in any combination, and likely went along with wailing and appropriate grieving songs and laments. There has been quite a bit of research that has gone on in trying to understand the significance of these mourning rituals, and even in attempting to track where they came from. It's been noted that all these practices involve humiliation of the mourners and, in some way, connect them to their own mortality. In a sense, becoming like the dead themselves, naked, returning to dust, not eating, and generally losing the physical markers of living people, like growing hair. As it is often said, there's no better time than a funeral to contemplate one's own mortality. In this sense, these mourning rituals would be grieving the specific loss of a loved one's life, while broadly bemoaning the overall human condition of mortality before God. There has also been a noted progression of practice when it comes to sackcloth. In the early passages of the Bible, clothes are torn and removed, and then sackcloth is worn. In later tradition, sackcloth is worn in addition to torn garments. Sackcloth was a rough garment in the style of a loincloth. This dress, paired with going barefoot, has been seen as an association with the dead by some, as noted above, and by others, it's seen as removing a layer of civilization, as going back to how life would be without all of the systems that man has in place. In this case, it would be a way of remembering who we are, and that in the end, we're still mortal, even in the midst of our societal greatness. As Adam and Eve had to leave the garden just clothed and without shoes, so humanity is. Death is a great equalizer. There are also a few theories about putting dust and ashes on one's head during mourning. An older theory cites an ancient practice of burial in which a mound of dirt was put over the grave. This theory posits that mourners carried baskets of dirt to the gravesite on their heads to build the mound, leaving them with dirty hair and clothing—a sign to all that they had been involved in a funeral. This practice could then have been remembered by the act of putting dust and ashes on the head. Another theory comes from archaeologists excavating Beersheba. They discovered that the dirt of the city's streets was mixed with ashes. This process recycled household ash and had the benefit of increased durability. So, when mourners are described as sitting on dust and ashes, these archaeologists put forward that they were sitting on public streets, conducting their mourning for all to see.
it, it seems rather brutal to us that, that Aaron wasn't able to mourn while he had been anointed the high priest. Uh, I imagine it would have been very moving for him to see the rest of Israel mourning for his family. Uh, and, and, but what we see emphasized here in Leviticus chapter 10 is the holiness of the calling of the Israelites and the holiness of the calling of the priesthood where they had respect for God was not something to be taken lightly. And the the call to be holy as God was holy was not to be taken lightly because if it, if it were to be taken lightly, which is what inevitably is going to happen in ancient Israel, it means death for them because it will break the covenant and enemies will come in and destroy Israel because the protection of God will be removed. So this is very, very serious. And here at the establishment of the priesthood, the very establishment of it, we see this being emphasized. And I mean, we can always talk about the, the, the possibilities of what this unauthorized fire was. We can talk about uh, what the context seems to implicate. But the whole point of Leviticus 10, I think that it's really drawing us to again, is that God was calling Israel to a very serious calling, that they had to respect the holiness of God and they had to respect their calling to also be holy like God was holy. I was reading about some... Um events that took place uh, during the war, the Israeli war, the recent one. And uh, <clears throat> there was a gentleman who put his life on the line and he was killed and he was 22 years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, he wrote a letter and in the letter he said, what we're doing is for God more important than my life. And he had belief that he would be resurrected. And so he said, I will see you in the afterlife. That reminded me that we are taught in the West that our life is everything, that we have to live now. And there's another side to the coin where everybody thinks their life's not worth anything. They can die for anything. And that was displayed in the crusade time in the 1090s. And so what we need to do is we need to understand what God says. God says to Aaron about his sons, my holiness is more important, is the most important thing. God loves us. God desires us to have life. But still, there are things more important than our life, God's holiness is one of them. Yeah, and I think, and I, and I think too, we have to, we have to recalibrate what we mean by life. Because when exactly. you say, uh, like our life isn't as important as God's holiness, you're meaning our life, li our, our, not even human life, but you mean our life in the here and now. Yep. Uh, exactly. Because life continues on after, yes, it's right? Eternal. So it's not like God is just ending these people no. and that's it. It's not. There is an afterlife and Absolutely. that's what God, that's what God is setting up here. Like this is mm -hmm. his calling of yeah. Israel and his establishing them as a nation was so that. Yeah. Jesus Christ could come and offer a redemption plan for all of humanity, not just Yeah, because he, he gave so. his only begotten son, yeah. his life, and he rose from the dead mm -hmm. in the flesh. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a good discussion. We'll maybe have that discussion again in a live event, but it's really, really interesting channel. Well, and, and, and it flows into, you know, we get into chapter 11, which we hear about the foods that was permitted and forbidden for the Israelites. This nation was to be separate from the other nations and even 
in their eating because mm-hmm. there were certain things, cultural differences. And I know you have done segments on that before and, and probably still will in the future mm-hmm. where, um, you know, certain practices were in the other cultures and, and God is giving them instructions that they were to follow. Now, those who follow the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not bound by those same laws. However, the underlying principle remains true that as followers, a cri- everything that a Christian does must be for the glory of God. First Corinthians 10 verse 31, Paul is speaking and he says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. And this includes the things that we eat, those that we associate with in fellowship. And you can read about that. Consecrated Christian living arises from the inner person who's redeemed, not from physical things. Mark chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. Romans chapter 14, verses 17 and 18. Very good scriptures. Christians must exercise spiritual maturity in choosing food and drink. You can read that in Romans 14, 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 1 Corinthians 10, 23. And in associating with others. So let me read that again. Christians must exercise spiritual maturity in choosing food and drink and in associating with others so that all things that we do are to glorify God. And it's in that holiness that we need to remember that when we give our lives to Christ, that means we give our lives to Christ. We need to find out in his word and in fellowship with him, how that we can be ambassadors, how that we can be the encouragers, how that we can think of others beyond ourselves, because this life doesn't end here. We have eternal life, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. Spotify or iHeartRadio is a great way to get a hold of our program. We're on that. That's the podcast information. So if you have Spotify or iHeartRadio, look for Bible Discovery TV, Bible Discovery TV, and you can find us and we'll be into whatever it is we're downloading us to every day. You won't miss a thing. Let's pray. Lord, help me to live for you every day of my life as I give my heart to you and I trust you. Help me today in Jesus name. Amen.